the Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, full of stories and love for all. Hello and welcome to Virgin Radio Pride's Telly Talks, that time of the day where we can hunker down and talk about everything on the box. I'm Benji Potter, a TV fanatic and podcaster. And I'm Rod McPhee, TV editor at The Sun. Each episode, we've been getting to know a different celebrity's viewing habits by having a good old rifle through their personal telly guide. They've picked their five formative LGBTQ plus TV shows and they've shared them with us. From This Life to Will Young winning Pop Idol to It's a Sin, there are so many LGBTQ plus TV shows and moments to discuss. Now, Rod, have you started to spot a pattern with some of our guests' picks so far? Yeah, well, that's been quite surprising because it's not so much that certain shows have come up time and again, but which shows have come up time and again. The ones you might expect to be mentioned over and over aren't. And then there's been some less likely programmes which have come up several times. And I think we're going to get a few more surprises with today's guest. Well, the thing is, Rod, I thought soap would be so much more prevalent in people's picks because we all often see soap as this kind of bastion of social change for gay issues. Have you been a bit surprised by that, Rod? Yeah, I have. I was expecting Corrie or EastEnders to come up because they so often include those uh, storylines, don't they? But it just goes to show that we've, we've perhaps got broader tastes than we imagine in this country. Totally agreed. Well, I can't wait to delve into today's guest's picks. He's an author, comedian, musician and, of course, a medic who shot to fame after the huge success of his debut memoir, This Is Going To Hurt. He heads back out on tour in September. He's got a new kids book out on the 21st of July and his follow-up memoir is also released in September. It's a miracle Adam Kay could join us on our show today. Adam, welcome to Teletalks. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad you've agreed to come on because some of your picks really are some of my favourite TV shows. Um, now, earlier this year, you adapted This Is Going To Hurt uh, for BBC Drama. I mean, in a way, was there a kind of pressure for your own kind of TV LGBTQ plus representation? Yeah, it was a hugely important thing for me when I was adapting the book for telly. Because we're, we're, I think we're in the sort of second phase of seeing LGBTQ characters on telly. We've had the phase where it's, we're now allowed to see them. And I think we're now into the phase where the characters should be utterly normalized. And I think initially, if there was a gay character, for example, on telly, being gay was their sort of defining characteristic. And I wanted to paint a gay relationship where it was an important part of who they are, obviously, but it wasn't the be all and end all. And it was quite possible to be a doctor who is incidentally gay and to show a relationship that isn't in any way idealized or stereotyped but hopefully just a, a totally relatable relationship whatever nature of relationship uh, you the viewer are in now i've got an admission to make because i hadn't read the book before i watched your drama and in the first episode i think your character makes some throwaway joke about his girlfriend or his wife um and i stopped watching in a huff and i said to a friend 
he's changed it. He's made it a straight character. He's not been true. He's not been true to who he is. So I stopped watching it. And then I spoke to someone else and they said, no, go back to it. It is a gay relationship. Um, and then I raced through it. It was so nuanced. And I come from a family. My, my, my brother's a doctor and my mum works for the NHS. And I think, I think a lot of people, gay or straight, felt seen in your show. Good. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, um, it was um, medicine's a very old-fashioned environment, old-fashioned in the in the worst sense of the of the word. And I think a lot of people who identify uh, as any kind of minority characteristic have criticisms of the world of medicine, whether it's sexism or ageism, racism, homophobia, classism. And um, I wanted to dig into that um, a bit. And, you know, uh, there are still a bunch of doctors in 2022. I've, you know, I'm in touch with you know people on social media who are telling me their experiences of, uh, of being, you know, being gay or whatever in a, in a hospital. And um, they, they, they keep it secret. And I suspect there are other workplaces where, where that's the same. Did you get any kind of backlash of any sort after the show went out? I mean, whether it was trolling online from homophobes or people saying that the job isn't like this. What what was the response like when the show went out? I mean, the, the response was, I was blown away by it, to be honest. It was hugely positive. And what the show was, was about for me was um, shining a light on the mental well-being of NHS staff um, through uh, Adam's character. Uh, and I don't say my character because uh, the, the character in the show is a lot more of an arsehole than I am. And uh, also through a more junior character called called Shruti, who played so wonderfully by Amber Gamod and has a, a very heartbreaking storyline. And um, the, the response I've had from people who've been struggling, uh, you know, working in various healthcare professions, who've said that it's helped in some way, to me, you know, that that makes more of a difference than the you know the 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 wonderful reviews the show was 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 lucky enough to to have and um i you know homophobia online is part of being online but the the thing that gives me faith in humanity is for every one person who says something objectionable um, homophobic uh, on Twitter. There'll be twenty people replying to that, calling them out. And so, I think it's it, overall my my faith in humanity is uh, remains. Well, we're going to come back to the show later on. And in the meantime, could you introduce your first telly pick, please? My first pick is it's a sin. Hello, hi, hi there. I'm sorry, darling. He's gone. Okay. Oh, bless him. I'm so sorry. He's gone. <laughs> So why this show, Adam? 
because there's been so many Russell T Davies dramas over the years and other dramas about AIDS through the years. What made this different for you? I just thought it was some wonderful storytelling. Um, one of the common complaints by LGBTQ people about TV, you know, re representing LGBTQ characters is that too many of them die and that, you know, it's generally when their peak of happiness. And, uh, and so I, it's all the more extraordinary that a show where practically every gay man in it dies was this enormous uh, runaway uh, hit. And it's thanks to Russell's amazing, not just storytelling, but characterization. And he is, I think, the expert in mixing comedy and tragedy. And you're right that, you know, it's not the first show to talk about uh, HIV AIDS, but it's, I wonder if the reason it spoke to me and to so many people is that this wasn't a show about famous people or, you know, in any way other people who uh, were, were affected by this, by this terrible illness. It was people that resonated with us and we either knew that kind of person or we were that kind of person. And that just made it painfully close to home. I think what was interesting about it myself, as someone like yourself that grew up in the 80s and the 90s when this was all happening, was that you were left with the impression that this was something that happened to Rock Hudson in the US or maybe Freddie Mercury in exactly. the UK. And exactly. I th thought what they got across very well was that these boys or these young men, I should say, came from suburbs and small towns and, and maybe a city far, far away from London. And then they all sort of congregated in these communities and then those communities were decimated. They weren't actors and um, musicians. They were just regular lads who had the misfortune to start their sexual experiences in, in an era when this disease was out there. Yeah, and just so desperately unfair. Yes. And you really, you really felt that. And I think whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you live, you can't help but watch this, watch this show and think, you know, in a sliding doors version of my life, that could have been me or my neighbour or my, or my friend. Can I ask the question, how much has AIDS and HIV been an element in your own life? I mean, we all we all know someone who's living with HIV or has perhaps passed away as a result of it. As someone that grew up, like I mentioned, grew up in the 80s and the 90s, has it been an element in your life or is it something that you've known about? Or? I, mean, I, I'm, I was born in 1980 and um, so I... I, you know, I, I avoided being part of the the generation who lost, you know, friends of their of their own age. Um, I'm happily now friends with any number of of, of mates who've who've got um, who are living with HIV, and HIV, you know, is no longer a life limiting illness. It's absolutely amazing to have come such a long distance in such a short period of time and you know and hooray 
to science for managing to achieve that. Um, so, um, and I've worked on the other hand in, in hospitals and I've, I've worked in hospitals that had big HIV wards and, and I've, you know, I've seen what a horrible illness it's, you know, it, it still can be if it's not, you know, if it's not kept under control. I just simply can't imagine growing up, you know, lose, losing friends. It's just, it's unthinkable. And, um, and it was, it was a very painful watch because it made me think the unthinkable that, they, you know, as I say, those could be people that you know. And you mentioned how much you rate Russell T Davies. I mean, I mean, I mean. First of all, do you rate Russell? Do, do, do you do you have a, a huge respect for him? I mean, how much of how much of because he's thought is one of the uh, most highly thought of writers around right now. I mean, is that a richly deserved title, or you know, because obviously he's been around for years now and had hits with some things, less successful shows with others. What, what are your thoughts on Russell? His reputation is a hundred percent deserved, and it's not just that he's brilliant at you know dialogue and characters and storylines it's that he's also very brave and has, has gone places that you know no other writers have he's often been decades ahead of his time and he's made a difference to people's lives and how many how many writers can can say that you sort of you know, you dream that a few people will, you know, watch a show and it won't get cancelled mid-series and, you know, the odd TV reviewer might say something nice about it. But to be a, a writer who succeeds on every single front and changes, improves the lives of people who, who watch it, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And um, uh, this is going to hurt, was, was, was lucky to have, um, you know, accolades from a bunch of people who watched it and were kind, but... Um, Russell said some very kind words about it, and that meant an enormous, an enormous amount. And he's a proper grade A national treasure. Well, I'm sure lots of people agree with you on that point there. So um, more telly picks coming up from Adam Kay. Telly Talks. Virgin Radio Pride. You're listening to Telly Talks on Virgin Radio Pride. We're here with writer Adam Kay going through his top telly picks. Adam, that was a brilliant first pick. I can't wait to hear what's next. Next up for me is the fantastic Will and Grace. Would you take it easy? Don't tell me to take it easy. I'm looking at a room full of outlet clothing and fantastic Sam's haircuts. I can't breathe. I tell you, I can't breathe. Would you get a hold of yourself? Oh. Would either of you care for a cup of coffee? Yes! No! Get a grip on yourself! You get a grip on yourself! Look, the only way we're gonna get through this is if we support each other, all right? Maybe you're right. I guess we can get our mind off of things by touching each other inappropriately. Good idea. So of all the shows discussed so far, Adam, this is the one that our guests have brought up the most. More than Queer as Folk or Queer Eye or Sex in the City, any of the obvious choices. Um, does that surprise you? It sort of doesn't in a way, now you say it, because 
comedy makes topics, often very difficult topics, very, very accessible. And Will and Grace came out in, I think it was 1998, which is like a year or so after Ellen came out and sort of practically torpedoed her career at the time. And this sitcom uh, appeared, or it didn't just appear, it sort of it, it marched up about not one gay man, but two, and they were out and they were living their lives and they felt funny and accessible and relatable. And let's not forget that, that back then, some people were, uh, I guess, afraid of anything remotely gay infiltrating their society. And uh, Will and Grace showed these two gay men who were very, very different. There's Will, the you know uptight and boring, eternally single gay man, and Jack was this brand new take on an old stereotype of the sort of vivacious, catty stereotype. And um, previously that sort of stereotype didn't actually have sex. They were sexless innuendo machines. And Jack actually does have sex. And along with all other sort of brilliant uh, character traits. And um, being a comedy, it could make light of serious issues, uh, or in this case, often, things people were uncomfortable with because it allows it to be lighter and more human and just a fact of life. And people are watching gay characters and whatever their prejudices going into the show, they're enjoying the time they're spending with them because they're amazingly funny people. And, you know, you laugh first and then you think afterwards. And I genuinely believe that by using that trick to oil the wheels of acceptance, something that's on the face almost frivolous, like Will and Grace, actually makes a difference to society. And it's made a big difference to me. I spend a lot of time uh, quoting uh, quoting almost all the characters in Will and Grace. My, fa my favourite thing to say is a, is, a, is a Jack line, which is, um, is there anything I can pretend to do for you right now? <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I often use the line, uh, well, if you want people to like you, you've got to buy them things. Which was, which was, you might have used that on once or twice on me before. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have. I mean, that was a fame. <laughs> I mean, that, the dialogue between those two was insane, wasn't it? I mean, I, I think it was like a high point of comedy. And I also think that what was interesting about Will and Grace was that it did what Queer as Folk did, albeit through this sitcom prism. It showed gay people living their lives, you know, not not being a supporting character or a serial killer or, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the yes. gay friend of the central female character. It was about Will and Grace and Jack and Karen, these four sort of either gay people or within the gay orbit sort of thing. And they were happy. They weren't miserable and they were successful. Well, maybe successful. Jack McFarlane. He was a he was a lawyer. We love his, yeah. you know, his flat. We sort of we're jealous of their fun life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know that he lived in this flat, which he could probably never actually afford in New York. And she was <laughs> swanning around in Paul Smith, fabulous boots, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, but I, that kind of sardonic humour we saw on This Is Going To Hurt. It made me think, is there a bit of Adam Kay that wants to be Jack McFarland? 
<laughs> I mean, I think our, our humour is a product of our upbringing and, you know, and our telly tastes. And I, I would be lying if I said that my, my own comedy wasn't influenced by, by shows like uh, Will and Grace. And I'm absolutely flattered if anyone thinks that my character's uh, <laughs> lines are, are anything like Jack's. Um, well, I mean, I, I I could see the comparison, although it's a bizarre one. But uh, but I mean, <laughs> did did but and did these kind of shows embolden you? You you were sort of in your late teens when you were going starting to go out, shall we say, as a young adult. Did these kind of programs really influence you and embolden you? Because there were a lot of them came out in the late nineties, weren't there? Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I um, I mean, I had a, a complicated relationship with my sexuality and i'm sure there are there are a lot of people uh, listening who have a similar similar journey and um and a lot of it is wondering if it's safe to to say you are something and the more isolated you feel then the less likely you are to 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 make that jump and i'm i'm, I'm definitely not a poster boy for you know for for, for coming out at a at, at an early age or perhaps the age i i should have but shows like this do make do make a difference another great pick thank you so much adam and thanks for sharing uh what's up next my next pick is call my agent Isabelle Huppert Oui. Bonjour, Andrea Martel de l'agence oh. ASK, grande agence artistique. Voilà, c'est nous qui représentons Isabelle Huppert, la vraie. Comment ça, la vraie <rire> Merci. Non, pardon, pardon, je veux dire l'actrice. Mais euh, aujourd'hui, en tout cas, c'est à vous que nous aimerions proposer un rôle. Ah. Dans un film. Ah oh, non. Au cinéma. Je vous arrête tout de suite. Le showbiz et les paillettes, c'est pas du tout mon truc. Ah, Désolée. Bah, bah, attendez, je vous ai même pas expliqué, non, mais parce que c'est vraiment pas grand-chose. On en a juste pour cet après-midi, puis ça peut être vraiment très amusant. C'est pour aujourd'hui en plus Oui. Mais vous êtes marrante, je travaille. Moi, je suis de garde à l'hôpital. J'ai mon erreur à prendre. Allez, bonne chance, au revoir. Well, I'm so glad you picked this one because this is one of my favourite TV shows probably of all time. We had a lockdown love affair. Uh, was it similar for you? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We kicked off over lockdown. I was initially hugely suspicious of the idea as someone who works in Tellyland, the idea of watching a show about your own and i mean generally isn't going to work for me on this occasion it was absolutely amazing plus i got to brush up my uh, french and be be very jealous of all these people swanning around in uh, in 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 paris and uh, andrea is i think possibly one of the best lesbians ever on, on, on telly. Her sexuality isn't presented as this problem that she has to solve, which is what you often see. And it doesn't mean that her life is any more or less complicated than a straight person. She's just totally comfortable in her skin and her sexuality, and she enjoys one night stands and walks of shame and casual flings and and heartbreak and she's just very funny and she's just a character that i think everyone watches and again is just a bit jealous of her life now when you talked earlier about the second phase of lgbt characters on tv andrea feels very much of a personification of that i think so and uh it's it doesn't 
it doesn't matter to the you know to the the general plot of the show what her sexuality is and also um it's a show where you know she doesn't she doesn't have a she doesn't have a a label and that's not important i mean i did i did start this by saying she's one of my favorite tv lesbians but you know she she gets pregnant and she has the same issues with motherhood that any other hardworking person would have, you know, when they're trying to have it all and it becomes the first time she's ever had to compromise, but it's not her sexuality getting in her way, that it's her inability to cede control. And she's just an interesting, well-drawn, complicated person who happens not to be a standard issue straight person. Now, in the same way that Call My Agent sort of blew the whistle, in a way, on, on the entertainment industry, I suppose you could say that This Is Going To Hurt did a similar thing. Did you kind of notice that similarity? I mean, I'm, I always love watching shows that are... <clears throat> I love watching shows which have an honesty to the, to the telling. So as much as I love a... Uh, you know, a glossy crime thing with twists and turns and this and that. You know, I I do sort of prefer a, a responder where I sort of really believe the truth of the of the character. And I was I was desperate in this is going to hurt to make sure that we told the, the the truth of what it's like to be a doctor at home as well as at work because that's something I didn't see before. And call my agent. You know. I think has got this, there's an extra layer to it for anyone who's ever worked in the in the business because it sort of, it is like that. I'd like to believe that it's like that in uh, in, in Paris where everyone's that much more glamorous than they are in, uh, in central London. Now, did you watch the UK version? <laughs> I did watch the UK version, yeah. I, I, I've abstained. I <laughs> right. I... <laughs> I, I, I think John's writing is absolutely brilliant. And I thought some of the acting was absolutely off the charts. It's got the, <clears throat> the truly brilliant Harry Trevaldwin in it, who I think is an oh, absolute big fan. superstar and lovely chap. And um, um, so I have no criticisms whatsoever as it, or of it as a show. I just did ask the question, why was it made? Because... We already had Call My Agent and we're able to read subtitles, uh, most of us will have the audio descriptions or whatever it is. And so um, as a piece of telly, I really enjoyed it. And I think uh, I think John Morton's writing is absolutely top of the range. Which begs the question, when are we going to see doctors on the wards in Paris? Uh, well, they showed this is going to hurt. You know, it's, it's obviously... Um, you know, TV companies like their their shows to sell all around the world, and uh, and happily, lots of countries bought. This is going to hurt. And I saw some adverts, some billboards of uh, for this is going to hurt, which was on uh, Canal Plus in in France, and it was the, the most brilliant bit of advertising. And uh, it was a big white sheet of paper. You know, it was all, all white with some barely legible scribble across the middle in black pen. And if you looked at it, you could just about make out, this is going to hurt. And at the bottom it said, finally, a TV show written by a doctor. 
thought that's that's really good advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you have you have you watched any of the other kind of translations? Are they dubbed? Or are, there, are there any kind of plot points which have or, or scripts which been kind of softened or changed or anything like that? I don't. I don't actually know. So, um, in boring TV language, none of none of them a changed format. So, no one's like sort of that, which is like making the American Office, you mm-hmm. know, based on the you know, loosely based on the on the UK version. So, I th- that you know, they they have to make the choice to either dub things or subtitle them. And I think it country by country, some people like subtitles more, and some people like uh, dubbing more. Um, but. Um, I, I really, I, but I don't know if any of it has has hit the cutting room floor. It's it's not the least sweary show in the world, and there is a there are quite a few bodily fluids involved, so those are possible cuts. Um, but I saw that um, I saw that a Chinese broadcaster had. I think I think there might be an online service had bought. This is going to hurt, and I, I did wonder how much. I mean, may, maybe the entire thing gets shown, but I. My my limited understanding was that there there isn't much depiction of of gay relationships on Chinese telly, so um, maybe the episode's like four minutes long. <laughs> right, that'd be an interesting one to to keep an eye on. We'll be back with more from Adam Kay on Virgin Radio Pride. Telly Talks, Virgin Radio Pride. Welcome back to Telly Talks on Virgin Radio Pride. Adam Kay is our guest today, and he's picked some truly memorable telly moments. And the next one definitely broke ground adam what is it my next choice is the superb queer as folk no one told you about that did they slowly well adam rod and i are so pleased that you brought this up because at the time for so many people it was such a seminal piece of television i remember my auntie saying she watched it behind the covers once her parents had been to sleep on a small kind of grainy tv where did you watch it i was in my first year of university it was, I think, 19, it must have been 1999. Um, I wasn't out. I wasn't totally sure what my sexuality was. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to have the sexuality that I thought I, I, I had. And um, I suppose the show made me feel, I guess, a bit uncomfortable. And, but I think that was the whole point of the the show it's not an exaggeration to say there had been nothing like this on tv before the first i recently rewatched the, the first episode of it and it's an absolute um revolution but i do remember at the time that the knives were out for the show in the in the the press and it sort of it made me you know I now know that we had a long way to 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 go. I mean, at the time, the age of consent for gay men was uh, was still eighteen, and um, it's 
No, that was, it's a half an hour episode and there's so, so much going on in it. Um, the characters aren't in any way ashamed or repressed or filtered or diluted. They're just full of life. And, you know, they're, some of them are awful. Some of them are wonderful. And it manages to be explicit without being lurid or clinical. And it wasn't, I don't, you know, I would, I would love to ask Russell the, the question. In my mind, I don't think it was about specifically shocking people. But I'm sort of that's that's just me putting putting words into his his mouth. I think it was about saying, "This is what happens. So what? Deal with it." There was something euphoric about that show. Did it make you pine for that life, for that party kind of lifestyle those characters were having? It. I mean, I think any time I see young people on television, it makes me pine for being younger again. <laughs> um, but there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a joy to the to to the show, and uh, it was just, it's just, I mean, it's just really good, really good writing. I and I chose this scene because it was just an absolute eye-opener and I think it was probably an eye-opener for millions of people who watched it be they closeted unsure 18 year olds starting at university or you know middle-aged people shocked by what's just appeared on 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 telly and you know it said that being gay is is there's a lot more to it than than you might think in all sorts of ways. I'm interested in your thoughts on one point, and it's this: queer as folk for me felt like one of those sort of landmark moments in society. A bit like when gay marriage came in. I know that sounds a bit extreme, but you know you had all these sort of um, UKIP types and extreme people saying that you know if you see this sort of thing or have this sort of thing happen in society, all of a sudden the whole of civilization will crumble. And what I loved about this show was that although there was some initial vitriol, all of a sudden people were like, well, actually it's not that big a deal to watch two men doing bits and bobs late at night on Channel 4, that the, the civilization is not going to end. And, you know, and after that first episode, we all got up again the next day and nothing had changed. The sky hadn't fallen in. Um, and from that moment on, I think everyone was like, well, actually, we can. it's not that big a deal. Do you, do you think that there was that, that sea change moment? Yeah, I, th- I, think that, I think that's an extremely good, extremely good uh, description of it. And... Uh, uh, and we've come so far since then, you know, in terms of like the age of consent uh, has dropped and we've got marriage equality. Um, I, I'm not sure queer as folk would potentially even get away with it now. Um, Nathan, the recipient of the rimming, the rimmy, um, was, was <laughs> in, the, in, in, the, in the episode and... Uh, yeah, I don't. Would we, you know, would would a broadcaster be happy with that happening now on their on their channel? But I guess this is the point that Russell T Davis was was making. It might make you feel uncomfortable. You may not want to confront this, but it's happening somewhere. 
whether you approve of it or not. It's interesting. I think Russell hit a real sweet spot with Queer as Folk in terms of where our society was at. Because I think we were, we'd started to change just enough to watch this. But, you know, we hadn't changed so much as like you say now. I don't think that we were now perhaps almost too ironically too politically correct to let a 15 slash 16 year old lad be seen performing sex acts on a drama like that. So you kind of hit a sweet spot there before, you know, we became too sensitive. But we were ready for change at the same time. He liked raising very difficult complicated issues and there's a there's a bravery to his writing i sort of i sort of wondered out loud before whether he wanted to be shocking but i suspect that he's just an uninhibited writer who wants his audience to make up their own minds about these complicated, difficult or troubling um, tableaus that he paints. One last question on this, which is quite an interesting one. You had three central gay characters in Queer as Folk played by three heterosexual actors. Now, Russell has since said that gay roles really shouldn't be played by anyone other than gay actors. Now, obviously, you had Ben Wishaw in This Is Going To Hurt. First of all, do you agree with Russell on this point? And secondly, do you think it was important for a gay actor to play you in your drama? Um, I I don't know if I've got any sort of grand theories about what should or shouldn't happen. Um, and, you know, but... All I know is when I was putting This Is Gonna Hurt together, the the show being honest and true was really important to me. And I didn't in my heart think that we could portray an honest, true, representative gay relationship with uh, actors who weren't gay themselves. And so in that instance, I thought it was absolutely the, the, the right thing to, to try and find some real, honest chemistry. And how did your other half feel about his portrayal on, on uh, screen? Uh, did, 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 did he approve? Well, my, uh, my other half, uh, my husband, in fact, is not uh, was was not in my life at the time I was working as a doctor, so I was uh, able to able to uh, fictionalize uh, all that side of all that side of my life, um, which is which is for the best. It means I don't get excommunicated from my actual you know friends and former colleagues <laughs> and things like that. Um, but lots of people did assume that James, my husband, was was this was this character shown on screen. So I think he was he was very happy that. Uh, that uh, Rory, who played um, uh, who played Harry, um, was extremely good looking. So, uh, so James is happy about that. We'll be back with your final top telly pick in just a moment. Telly talks. Virgin Radio Pride. Unfortunately, Adam, we've come to your final telly talks pick on Virgin Radio Pride, and we're ending on something particularly familiar to you. 
Yes, so I've, I've decided to go uh, for the, the greatest TV show ever, ever written uh, in all time. I don't think there's any question about that. And that's, uh, this is going to hurt by Adam Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, what's happened here? I'll tell you in a minute. Can you just you check her CTG? First baby, oh, 41, okay. but otherwise low risk. Oh my God, <sighs> Jesus. Hi, I'm Adam, one of the doctors. I was supposed to be having a water bath. Well, you never know, one of the pipes might come down. Baby's heart rate's improving nicely. So sorry, we'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll get you somewhere, another yeah, room. No, we don't have another room, so... What? We'll just clear this one up, OK? She's the boss. <laughs> what happened in there? I'll tell you what didn't happen, the bloody alarm. I pulled it twice and nothing, so I put a bit more welly into it. What did you do? Nothing. Well, the, um, the alarm company couldn't send anyone for three weeks, so I asked uh, a workman to have a go. And how would you say they did out of ten? So, we've never really heard of this. Could you tell us a little bit about <laughs> it, please? No, but seriously, why have you picked your own show? I mean, it sounds like a stupid question, but this must have been a huge landmark moment in your life. It was it was a huge moment for me. And I felt a bit of a responsibility to, you know, inverted commas, get it right for for gay couples and gay doctors and and whatever it is. And uh I think Ben Wishaw did the most extraordinary job in in portraying the the, the character, and I think um, I think no one else could have could have could have done the role like he did. And he he makes some terrible decisions. He's awful to almost everyone in his in his life. He's a sort of he's an HR nightmare. I mean, he could be probably sacked 15 or 30 times in the first episode alone. But Ben plays the character with such charm and twinkle that he almost sort of gets away with it. I mean, there's a lot of serious matter um, discussed on the show, not least quite a honest representation of the NHS and the pressures it it is under. How much were the BBC involved in the creative process um, and how much were you allowed to kind of be really honest to your account? When we were trying to flog the TV show, so you find a production company first and then a production company goes to a broadcaster and says, please, 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 would you you make my TV show? Um, More than one broadcaster was interested in... uh, showing uh, this is going to hurt, which was which was incredible because generally with my TV projects, less than one broadcaster has any interest in, in showing it. Um, but in this case, you know, the, the, the book was 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 flying quite high and um, and I, we chatted with, 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 with a couple of places. And the BBC said to me, if you go with us, we will let you make exactly the show you want to make. And I promise you, we will never say to you, well, that's too much, or don't say that, or don't show that. And true to their words, they absolutely didn't ever interfere like that. They gave some brilliant notes and said, you know, 
you know, gave great ideas for the, you know, for stories and characters, but they never once said that's a bit much. And um, and I'm I'm delighted that it went out on the BBC because there are there are lots in common between the NHS and the the BBC. They're these big, much loved public institutions that are not without their their problems. And I just, if I was talking to you right now and you asked me the question, why do I have to pay, you know, 12 99 a month or whatever it is to, uh, to watch um, a show about the NHS on some subscription service or other, I wouldn't really have a good answer for you. And I think that it's the right place to show, you know, a big, hopefully sort of state of the nation show about um, about the health service and brilliantly you know for all the subscription services in the world no one reaches as many you know pairs of eyeballs as bbc one and some of these difficult uncomfortable complicated things i wanted to talk about about you know the mental health of of doctors you know appeared in front of millions upon millions of, uh, of of people of all walks of life all across the country and I'm so grateful to the BBC for allowing me for that to happen. It's interesting what you say about creative control uh, BBC versus other platforms because I think that's a conversation uh, that Michaela Cole has talked about quite publicly um, with I May Destroy You and why she chose the BBC to create this incredibly nuanced and powerful piece of tv it's one of my top five picks it hasn't come up yet uh, among our guests but um interesting it was it was, it was very close to the problem is you only give people five picks i think michaela's an absolutely extraordinary force of nature and it it doesn't i think people might assume that just because something's being pumped into people's homes on the on the you know old-fashioned terrestrial service that that means there are there are you know more uh, limitations um in the the show was was made uh it was a, a co-production with amc in the in the states and um the uh it's actually it's going out on amc's streaming service because the content of the show for a th in a thousand different ways from the language to what's shown on the screen you know, can't go out on on network American telly. So, um, yeah, we've got we we do have a great thing in the BBC. You um, are very praising of Ben Whishaw in the lead role, and he really was fantastic. Was he your first choice, or was it were there other people potentially in the running for it? He was my only choice. Really? Um, we, obviously, as soon as the idea appears of uh, you know your. Uh, a, a memoir converting into a, a TV show. Everyone's first question is, "And oh, who do you think is going to play you?" And for me, it was always Ben in my in my head. And I just couldn't shake this. And I was sort of, as I was starting to write the script, I was I was sort of imagining him on on screen. And can I imagine him saying this or doing that? And um, one of the next stages uh, when you're putting the show together is getting a casting director. And uh, we had. Uh, 
brilliant uh, Nina Gold alongside Martin Ware, who are you know, top of the range casting directors. And I was so excited to meet them for the first time and discuss like, well, obviously Ben's not going to want to do it because it's just some show about the NHS and he's a, he's like, you know, absolute A-list top of the range actor. So, well, um, so I was looking forward to them, you know, coming up with a bunch of other ideas for who should play the lead role. And uh, Nina sat down the first time we met and said, uh, well, it's obviously Ben Wishaw, isn't it? Uh, so uh, wow. then from then on, it was a case of uh, hoping that hoping that Ben would uh, would enjoy the script, and mercifully, he liked the idea of it. So did, here we are. Did you ever have to sort of physically yourself, not on an inv- individual, but sort of talk him through any of the bizarre procedures and things that you have to do? Because obviously, he wouldn't have been au fait with those sorts of things. Whereas you were handy with all kinds of implements and instruments. Did you ever have to sort of coach him yourself? I never did any personal coaching, but I'm probably not the right person to do it because I'm like ten years since I since I've picked up a picked up a scalpel. Yeah. Um, but um, I reckon Ben and Ambika and a bunch of the a bunch of the uh, the cast could quite easily do a cesarean section or forceps delivery at the moment because um, on every single scene where there's any kind of um, medical procedure, we had uh, an expert. So. Um, and not just like general medical advisors. If a midwife has to, you know, on screen d- deliver a baby, we wanted a midwife there coaching her. If a uh, if there's a a, a a scrub nurse in theatre who's what you know one of the one of the key people um, helping the uh, the surgeon uh, during the operation, I wanted an actual scrub nurse doing that. And so that meant. That, uh, that that Ben and some of the others were trained by actual obstetricians who you know would finish working on the TV show and then you know change of clothes and then go off to do a shift in the hospital. On that same theme, how often do you watch Call the Midwife and think, "Oh my God, they're doing that wrong"? That no, they've they've got that completely wrong. Or, or actually, are they quite good at portraying I how it is? It's a brilliant show. It's really, really, absolutely top of the range. Um, I think that medical shows generally get the medical stuff quite quite spot on. There was a, I remember Dr. Foster a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. I was um, sat watching the second series of that with, with James on the sofa, and there'd been some, I think it was seen in GP surgery, and James was like, oh, would that happen like that? And I was like, yeah, no, no, that, that, was, that, was, that was really well done. But how has this woman got the time to have all of these dinner parties, let alone run a sort of vigilante detective agency. Um, so <laughs> that was the, I think that's the side of things that you don't often see right in, in medical shows. And that's why I was so keen that we could show um, a doctor at home and mm. who's um, letting people down, letting his family down, letting his friends down, letting his partner down. It's something that's so prevalent in those high pressure industries in being an agent, in being a journalist, in being a doctor. And it paves the way for such fantastic drama as as we all discovered watching uh, This Is Going To Hurt. Adam Kay, thank you so much for coming on Teletalks. I've loved your picks. You've chosen some great telly moments. You've been listening to Virgin Radio Pride's Teletalks. I've been Rod. And I've been Benji. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, celebrating every colour of the rainbow.